John Al Michaels is a hundred percent. He's crossed the goal line. He's going to Amazon. You know, we had him at the five yard line. He went to the two yard line. He went back to the 10 yard line, to the half yard line. It's, I feel like we should celebrate this. It's finally done. You believe in miracles? Yes! All right, let's do it. Marshan Oran, Sports Media Podcast. And we're back. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. I'm Andrew Marshan, Sports Media Columnist for the New York Post. John, we're going to go who's up, who's down. we got all kinds of topics. Al Michaels to Amazon, finally. Kirk Herbstreit will be his partner. We'll talk about that. You had a big, a lot of good details about Joe Buck being traded for a Boilermaker. We'll get into the facts about that. Uh, Troy Aikman did some interviews. Uh, one with our buddy Jimmy Train at Sports Illustrated. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, why is the NFL selling its media biz? Uh, and then John Clayton, sad news this week. Uh, we'll pay a little tribute to him, and then we'll end up calls of the week where we'll compare all the big NCAA calls from last weekend. John, exciting stuff. Let's go. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? You know, we've been talking NFL media for seemingly as long as we've been doing the pod, so I'm going to take the who's up. I'm going to stick with NFL media, and I'm going to give it to Jimmy Platt. I mean, we've been writing, you've been writing about Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit. Well, ESPN very quietly has been negotiating behind the scenes with Jimmy Platt, who's the director of uh, Monday Night Football, very well respected, helped see ESPN from the Boogermobile to, uh, to where the, uh, the telecasts were really getting a lot more um, uh, praise than they were earlier. He is on the half yard line, Andrew, of signing a three-year deal to stick with Monday Night Football. By all accounts, he's a good guy, uh, and um, I'm happy to see that. Congrats to Jimmy Platt. He's my who's up for this week. All right, he's got a new crew with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to work with. Uh, I'm going to go Amazon uh, for my who's up. Uh, a lot of focus on Michaels and Herbstreit, but really the reason I'm going to give them their who's up is Fred Gadelli. Uh, now, I'd, I'd reported this a long time ago that Gadelli uh, was going to produce the Amazon Thursday night games. He's produced seven Super Bowls. Uh, he's still going to oversee NBC Sunday night football and not be the guy at the games anymore. Uh, but the reason I say that is because, look, they got Michaels and Herb Street for credibility. But really, the presentation of how Amazon uh, is going to have their main telecast, you know it's going to be good with Gadelli. And to me, that might even be more important than getting Michaels and Herb Street because the presentation of Amazon's main feed, they'll have other feeds as well, uh, you know is going to be very good with Gadelli. All right, on the way down, what do you got? On the way down, John Angelos of the Baltimore Orioles who oversees Masson. According to an article written by Dan Connolly of The Athletic, the Orioles and Nationals look like they will be the only teams in baseball, or at least among the only teams in baseball, that are not sending their radio and TV broadcasters on the road. As a resident, a lifelong resident, Andrew, of the Mid-Atlantic, I, I just can't imagine a more awful decision. They use COVID as a re reason, but they're expecting me, an Orioles fan, that's had a team that's lost at least 108 games the last three full seasons. Can you imagine that? And so how are they gonna get me to watch the games? 
They're going to give me a subpar product when the team is on the road. Connolly's story is uh, d- definitely worth a read. Uh, he gives real life examples such as uh, of, of the problems that happened, such as last year, the Orioles at the Yankees, a great Orioles win. They don't beat the Yankees a lot these days. It was, there was a play at the plate. Melanie Newman was on the radio. The video goes out on the play at the plate and she's not able to talk about it. I mean, the fans deserve better. It's just a bad decision. They'll blame COVID, but it's a money decision, and I hate it. I agree. Yes, and SNY here in New York, uh, they say they're scheduled to be on the road for all the Yankees and Mets games, so credit to them. Look, we all respect COVID, um, but as everyone tries to get back to, you know, our lives and normalcy, I, I agree with you. There's no to use COVID as an excuse for not traveling when everyone else is traveling. Uh, that's hard to believe. And for anybody to say it with a straight face, that has anything other to do than with money at this point uh, is hard to believe, uh, considering what everyone else is doing. So uh, I like that. Who's down? Andrew, who's down? Uh, overall, I like CBS and Turner's coverage of the NCAA tournament, but I think what separates broadcasters and the broadcast is how into it you are, right? This is an event for a lot of us who love college basketball this time of year, but don't watch it all year. We need the storylines brought in. So my who's down inside the NBA crew, Barkley, Kenny Smith uh, on the studio show, Spiro Ditas and Brad Nestler. I need more enthusiasm uh, and a little more details uh, on their game broadcast. So they have my who's down because just that passion for this event. Uh, I just didn't feel it that first weekend of, uh, of action. Um, I love the inside the NBA crew on the NBA. Barkley's the best studio analyst of all time, but just overall, I just don't get much insight uh, from that tandem uh, teamed up with Clark Kellogg. And then uh, usually it's Ernie Johnson, sometimes Greg Gumbel in studio, but uh, look, it, it just can't always be about, you know, let's make jokes you kind of want a little analysis as well and they do it's just i can't really trust it fully because i don't think they're they're engaged uh as much as they need to be you know at this time of year in terms of knowing college hoops you know the past several years this has been a a constant gripe of mine and that you know they're great personalities their show is one of the top two shows of all time in terms of being a studio show but to have them helicopter in and talk about the college game. They know basketball very well and they can talk basketball strategy, but they don't understand the college game as well and the people that are involved and some of the, the nuances of the college game. And it, it's really, it really did seem to come out this year more so than uh, in previous years. Yeah, and on the play-by-play, I want you to want to be there. I think that's so important. We're all choosing to watch this. And I'm not saying those guys don't. Um, you know, I just feel like, I just didn't get that passion um, and just like the underlying storylines that really bring games to life uh, when you hear these broadcasts. All right, we'll break down uh, some of those calls later on uh, in the pod. You mentioned the all-time greatest uh, studio shows ever. You know, I think we both agree uh, inside the NBA and college football game day are uh, those two are the top two. One, so, one and two, and it, it depends on uh, on the uh, the time of day, which is one and which is two, but that's definitely one and two for me. Yeah, I go inside the NBA, but that might be because I like the NBA a little more. As the, I just think Barkley is the best ever. Uh, so I just think he just makes it entertaining no matter what. Uh, but game day is tremendous, iconic as well. 
So let's get to that. One of their guys, Kirk Herbstreet, which kind of weird when you think about it, ESPN guy going to be one of the leads on the game broadcast for Amazon. He and Al Michaels will be doing the games on Thursday night uh, on Amazon's exclusive coverage of Thursday night football. It finally happened. I, mean, I, I first reported about this in June. Uh, I linked In June, they were on the five-yard line, Andrew. <laughs> I think in June, they were just crossing midfield. <laughs> then they got down to the one like two months ago, and then they've been sitting at the one. I mean, it's obvious what was happening. All right, so we've been talking about this for uh, literally since, since we launched our pod back in the fall. So it, my, my question to you is, why? What's up with Amazon? Why did Amazon feel the need, probably the best play-by-play person in NFL history and Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, who's a very well-known name, and they're paying a ton for this booth. They could have easily gotten some professional people in the booth and saved you know, tens of millions of dollars on it. What, what goes into their decision-making on this? Credibility, number one. You get credibility if, you, if you're carrying NFL games. That, that's just foisted on you. When you go back to 93, 94, uh, when Fox swiped the package from CBS uh, for around $400 million per year, they went and got John Madden uh, for $8 million. Why? Because they wanted, they were new. Fox was out there and they wanted that credibility. Amazon comes in. You can get the greatest play-by-player of all time in Al Michaels. You want that stamp of approval. He happened to be a free agent with NBC moving on to Mike Tirico. The issue they did have uh, is that they were trying to find an analyst. Uh, Collinsworth didn't want to do it. They thought they were, they, they almost got Aikman. Uh, he was going to split time between uh, Fox and ESPN. Then uh, he ESPN swooped in and took him away and, uh, and so they end up with Michaels and Herb Street. They don't know each other. Um, Michaels, you know, had a big say in what they were trying to do for a time there. Uh, he liked Sean McVay. They go out to dinner uh, in L.A. Uh, and they're friendly. Uh, so that would have worked in terms of an inexperienced person. Uh, but to me, I get it. Herb Street's a college guy. And that's something I've gotten some feedback from people in the industry. That's a college guy. Uh, but you're hiring a broadcaster, not a quarterback. So to me, like, I want someone who can do a broadcast. Um, and so uh, do I think that could sound good? I do. Um, you know, it's going to be different for, for Michaels. He's been on the number one primetime NFL show or primetime show overall for the last 14 years. Before that, on Monday Night Football, which obviously always is rated tremendously. Uh, Amazon won't be as watched as much, uh, but, uh, but he got a pretty good deal. Yeah, a pretty good deal. So you, you reported the numbers and you described it as a near Joe Buck type deal. Joe Buck is getting, I think it was $15 million a year from, from ESPN. Is that right? Yes. So I don't like your Fox comparison going back to, to 93, 94, uh, because Fox immediately was part of the uh, Super Bowl rotation. Fox had the best of uh, package. They got the NFC package with, you know, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, et cetera. To me, this is similar to ESPN and, and Turner getting it. And ESPN uh, had sort of Mike Patrick and Joe Theismann, and they had a credible broadcast that was showing games out there. Announcers aren't going to bring viewers to Amazon. That the stamp, Amazon already had the stamp of approval. If I'm Amazon, if I'm ru- ru- running that, that booth, there's almost no chance I'm okaying Al Michaels getting $15 million a year when I could have gotten 
you know, uh, th th this generation sort of, you know, Mike Patrick to, to come out and just you know, do a credible broadcast. We just want you to do a credible broadcast. We have Fred Gadelli there. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, th that it is going to be a credible broadcast and, and roll it out that way. So one thing, first off, it's around 15 million. I didn't go to the full 15. I'm not exactly sure the exact number. So around 15 uh, for, for Michaels could be a little less, could be a little more. It's in that range, but pretty good for 16 games, wherever the exact number is. Uh, that's number one. Yeah, you say that, but it's not as easy as you think, right? Like, so you're saying, well, just go get, you know, there's, there's names you could put out there, right? Maybe Adam Amin, up and coming broadcaster, Joe Davis, who now is probably going to get the World Series. So wouldn't even be available for that. I mean, I don't even know if he could do it. Um, obviously, if you go for the bigger name guys who are out there, you have Ian Eagle, you have Kevin Burkhart, but they also have contractual situations where they're under contract. There had to be permission. Now Burkhart's going to be the number one, uh, most likely on Fox. And so, he probably, they wouldn't want him to do that. He might not even want to do it. And then you can have Al Michaels. Now, I agree at 77, that's not really building. They're going to need somebody else probably in the relatively near future uh, to go in there and secede um, Michaels. You don't see him doing it forever, uh, but it does give you an air of credibility. Uh, now, the, the, the issue is, you know, Al was obviously waiting to see if something better came along. Uh, he was at this one yard line because if Joe Buck was not let out of his contract to work with Troy Aikman at, at ESPN, Al Michaels was next. And it seems pretty, there was a pretty good chance. It sounds like he might've gone. A pretty good chance. Yeah, of course there was a good chance. He would have taken any, any, anything that would have put him in a Super Bowl rotation. It seems pretty obvious. I think Fox would have been interesting. Because if Fox, they, I don't know if Fox would have offered the same amount of money. I always root for the best story. That would have been interesting to see if Fox came in and was like, you could do two of the next three, uh, but, you know, it's $6 million, which again, $6 million is a lot of money. It's not, you know, 13, 15, uh, whatever exactly Al's getting. That would have been interesting. Um, they did talk to Fox, Al's representatives, and that wasn't an opportunity for, for him. Uh, and then you look at the Herb Street part of it. He's got two years left on his ESPN deal. Um, I think it's going to be exclusive with Amazon with the NFL. So I don't think he'll do NFL games for, for ESPN. That's a lot. It's a, you know, it's Thursday night, then it's Saturday game day, Saturday night, he's doing a game. Um, that's a lot of studying. It's a lot of under the microscope. It's also a lot of money. So he's probably in that 15 to $18 million range. So he's doing pretty good, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, on, on football. It's not going to be long-term. I mean, Al's 77. He's, again, we've said this a million times. He's still going 90, 92 is what he's throwing. Maybe not 95. He's going to do all the games. Uh, I know he felt like he could have done all the games the last few years. Trico had in his contract where he'd do a few. And so um, Michael's had some, you know, when they're long travel from the West Coast, he took some couple of those games off but he'll do all 16 uh, for Amazon. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it all uh, plays out because it is going to be a different platform uh, for Michaels as compared to what he's been used to his whole career. Two points. One is I'm not crying for Amazon. Amazon has the deep pockets and certainly can afford this. But I will note as, as they're paying these exorbitant uh, salaries for uh, uh, what we all know is going to be the worst NFL package that it's going to get even less viewership than, than it got last year. And they just told 
my mom and my wife that they're increasing the, the price to Amazon Prime based on this NFL. And nobody asked for this in terms of, uh, in terms of being a Prime subscriber. Like, like what, what, why? What, well, what? two things, two things. If you look at Amazon's history, every four years, they raise it $20. So they, they I, literally blame this one on, on they on the did NFL on Lord board. of the Rings, which they spent $500 million. They did mention that, but they need like an excuse. And you're right. I, I agree. There, there is a cause and effect, but it probably was going up $20 regardless. I'm not saying that's okay, but I guess your overall point is that like they, Ad, they, they should treat it like it's not special for them. It's special. They're getting oh, it. So, it's, oh, no, no, no. It's totally special. Look, I'm in the DC market. Uh, and so we are, I'm used to getting the fourth and fifth broadcast team from CBS and from Fox. And they're not nearly as good as the top teams, but they're plenty acceptable. If I'm not part of an, uh, of a Super Bowl rotation and I have Fred Gadelli leading the charge, uh, plenty acceptable is plenty acceptable to me. Number one, I would say that there, I, I we would have to go down each crew. There are play by players and there are analysts who are really good, who are low, who are kind of on the way up. If they're really good, they're not doing commanders games in, over the past decade, Andrew. <laughs> well, Adam Amin, Kenny Albert, I got, I mean, who you they're like, look at Fox and, and CBS as well, but you go deep into Fox's depth chart on the play by play side now. I mean, they're, they're they got Gus. They got Adam Amin, got Joe Davis, Burkhardt, of course, Kugler. I mean, they're deep at play by play. You know, the analysts, they they could work on some of those guys. I'll give you that. All right. Anyways, we can go. I, I think they did a good job. I, I, I get it. If it were me, you know, the, the obvious ones were the number twos at the networks, Kevin Burkhardt, Ian Eagle. Uh, I think you could have gone with those guys. But again, you run into some problems. And of course, now, Burkhardt's going to be doing the number one game on Fox, most likely. So that probably would take him out of the equation. Yeah. And Al Michaels is out there as a free agent. So I think it was a good decision. It would have been really, if, if Al had gone to ESPN or Fox, that would have been fun. It would have, it would have, it would have, their next step would have been interesting. And my points are so much more behind the scenes fiscally. Goodelli, Michaels, and Herb Street, it's going to be, it's going to be a good broadcast. It's a good broadcast. And that's what you want. Uh, you had an excellent story. Uh, with the details of the trade between ESPN and Fox for Joe Buck that allowed that to happen. Uh, first off, for people who didn't read it, can you give us the details of what went down? My favorite Twitter comment on that was a Boilermaker for a buck, uh, which I thought was good. Joe Buck still had a year left on his contract with Fox. Joe Buck wanted to go to ESPN. ESPN wanted Joe Buck, and Fox uh, decided they needed to get something from ESPN in, in return for this. ESPN and Fox share Big Ten rights, and there's this whole uh, scenario where the, they, they alternate picks and they, they pick various weekends. Fox has the first pick for the season, and it always picks the weekend of the Ohio State-Michigan game. That's always the highest rated game. ESPN has a second uh, pick. It's a, this, this year coming up, the second pick is gonna be Ohio State-Notre Dame. Uh, ESPN was not going to let that go. Fox identified this Purdue Penn State game, which is going to kick off the season. It's a season kickoff game. They want to put it in prime time. It's a new window. It's going to be because it's a new window and a new game. They're going to be able to sell uh, an added ad sales revenue target of like that's in the millions. They're going to make millions off of this. ESPN 
they have all these other games, uh, especially on that night as well. I don't want to say any deal is a win-win because they're almost never win-win, but this is a game ESPN didn't prioritize. This is a game Fox really did want. And each, each network has 27 games this year coming up. ESPN is going to have 26 Big Ten games. Fox is going to have 28 Big Ten games. And that is uh, what they came up with in order for Joe Buck to leave his contract early and move to ESPN. Yeah, what I'm interested in is how much exactly that is and that would that cover the cost of what Kevin Burkhart uh, and or uh, if it's Greg Olson, whoever the analyst is, their number one team, because that would be interesting if, if not only did they, uh, Fox, save the money uh, as compared to what ESPN will pay for Buck and Aikman, uh, which will be more than $30 million combined per year uh, if they get that money back. And it just covers their number one team as well, or at least uh, it sounds like it'll cover at least around half of it. It's going to depend on how much they sell the ads for, for the, for this unique game that they're going to have, that's going to kick off the season in prime time. So that's one that generally it's, it's going to be in the millions of dollars. So they're going to exactly where that is going to uh, shake out. We don't know yet, but that's not part of sort of what they've already been selling the big 10 on. This is a brand new game in a new window for them. Oh, yeah. And the other thing we do have to mention about Joe Buck, his final words were this from the mass singer. I thought that was pretty appropriate. Joe saying, singing, I want you to want me. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that worked out pretty well. That was kind of funny. It was taped weeks before, uh, but. Uh, right. I, I appreciate you giving your singing voice to the pod here. I'm glad I'm not at home right now where the dog might start howling, but you know, thank you, Andrew. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Uh, my, what, what was your go-to karaoke song? Mine was. It takes two to make a thing go right. I could do the whole thing. Oh, I just, I was a lip sync guy. I just did the stones. All right. All right. Well, I won't <laughs> give you it takes two to make a thing go right, but uh, I used to rock that Ithaca College back in the day. Speaking of, I want you to want me. Troy Aikman had some comments on our buddy Jimmy Trana's podcast about Fox. He said Eric Shanks, the COO of Fox sports did not call him look troy can have his view of things and i get it um you know how this all went down um i do think he missed out on a couple of things like they kind of presented as if fox didn't make an offer um they gave him an extension which was for 13 million dollars and change i believe um and so he went out and beat that number which he was entitled to do it was smart business uh you know i i'm all for getting the most you can. Uh, but when the numbers got that high, Fox had made it clear they weren't going there. It was, they weren't going $18 million. So I think at that point it was over. And then they congratulated him and, and Troy said that, you know, Eric Shanks did not give him an explanation about how everything went down. Again, I get it. Like Troy Aikman's Hall of Famer, superstar, been doing this for 20 years, but he's an employee there. So I don't know if he had to get an explanation. It's just, it's like anything else. And I think, 
Uh, Fox, as you mentioned a number of times, this is a kind of a point that's kind of glossed over and you were saying it for a while. They were not happy with Aikman in terms of his public statements about maybe going to Amazon and that rubbed people the wrong way, which you, you said a number of times on this podcast. Guess what? As a reporter with, with Sports Business Journal that's covered the sort of, you know, the business of media uh, for my whole career, like guess, guess where I'm going to side uh, on this. You just made $18 million and you're, and you're still upset that somebody's not calling you. The way this all transpired, you know, Troy Aikman is a former athlete and this is how they, this is what you do. You have agents, you, you, you sort of create a frenzy and, and, uh, and, and, and you move on. That doesn't happen in, in sports broadcasting. Uh, and, and the, the idea of painting in particular, Eric Shanks as somebody that's, uh, that, that that's unkind to talent. I mean, I, I would hazard a guess that the talent at Fox Sports is sort of more satisfied and happier to be with Fox Sports in it than any of the other networks, or, or it, at least they're, they're up there. I'm sure I'm going to hear now from NBC and CBS. I, maybe his feelings are hurt, but he started the whole thing. He went out like, oh, we, we don't know where I'm going to end up. And he's openly negotiating with uh, uh, um, Amazon, Aikman's openly negotiating with, with, with ESPN, and he lost a lot of support in there. You notice that uh, that didn't happen with Joe Buck, who, who has been with Fox Sports for, what, what, what are we, We've got going on like 30 years or so now. Uh, the, the relationship between Joe Buck and not just Eric Shanks, but uh, Eric Shanks, Brad Zager, everybody at, at Fox Sports, is still as good as it could possibly be. So there's there's one outlier here, and that's Troy Aikman. Yeah, and Aikman, I think very fortunate that uh, Fox let Buck out of his deal because uh, that's a team. I think he'll be helpful. You know, Michaels and Aikman, there would have been a learning curve there, um, different broadcast styles. Uh, now they just can smoothly move and transition into that ESPN booth. Um, and interesting nugget, you know, Aikman never spoke with Jimmy Pitaro, uh, the chairman of ESPN prior to making the deal, um, which is unusual, but it was a quick turnaround. Pitaro struck quickly, uh, to, to make that happen. Uh, but that's unusual, uh, for this type of deal that, the you know, that you don't have that communication, uh, prior to signing, um, but so no communication with Pitaro, no communication with Shanks, but a very nice deal for Aikman matches Tony Romo money. I think when you always have to look at it from 3000 uh, feet, when you're doing these stories, you can know all these things. And I don't blame Troy. Like why, why should he make less than Tony Romo? But I don't blame Fox either. Why should they pay him as much as Tony Romo? Uh, different circumstances, different leverage. Troy went out and found the leverage uh, and got the deal uh, that he wanted. He left Joe Buck. Um, you know, now he, he got back together. He knew that there's a pretty good chance Buck was going to join him, or if not Buck, he'd probably get Al Michaels, but he, he got, he got, he got paid. I just a shout out to Trina because he knows how to ask questions to get people, to get people like Aikman to open up. And I, I have little doubt that Aikman didn't realize he was going to go as far as he went. Uh, with Trina, I just think just a hat tip to Jimmy. That's all. You were also on Trina's podcast last week again. Um, cheating on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I, we, I, I still love this podcast, but you know, you grew up with Sports Illustrated, podcast. Andrew. What can I say? <laughs> no, nah, we like Trina. That's what we this all began with Trina's podcast. Let's move on. Why is the NFL selling part of its media business? What do you got, John? The NFL right now is trying to sell 
uh, Sunday ticket, as we've reported extensively, we have Apple and Amazon sort of battling it out uh, uh, up there. What's uh, complicating matters is the, the media business, and they're trying to sell about half of you know, NFL Network, NFL Red Zone Channel, NFL.com. And the message I just get consistently uh, is, why are they doing that? I mean, the media business is still a good business. And I think the idea is that selling part of the media business is a way to entice these digital companies to come in because these digital companies, they want a piece of that traditional media business that NFL Network provides, that, uh, that NFL Red Zone provides. And right now, the negotiations are not just about Sunday ticket, they're, they're encompassing all, all of the media business. And it's also, uh, to, to be perfectly blunt, the cord cutting is affecting every single uh, channel that's out there it's affecting the, the uh, league-owned channels much more acutely than, uh, than other general uh, sports channels like, like ESPN. And so if you're, if you're the NFL, you see this sort of uh, line going forward, and that line is not necessarily trending up. And so th this is something that, you know, if, if you can get into bed, if you're the NFL and, and you can work uh, to, to get um, Amazon or Apple or one of these huge tech companies, to get involved, that's what every league wants. They they want tech involved. The next time the rights come up, you know, the, it's the, the, you have a built-in advantage to just have a, a, another bidding war. And who uh, who do you have winning that one? I still think that Apple is the front runner. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon. But it, it's so funny to talk about the front runner until something is actually signed. Nothing happens. All it takes is for one person in Amazon to say, oh, we want it. And, uh, and you know, they'll bid more. And you have Disney and ESPN, not, you don't think so? The price right now from everything I'm hearing is getting just too rich for their blood. There was a, within Disney, there, there was a faction of people. Some people really wanted to get it. Other people see Sunday ticket as, you know, DirecTV couldn't make money off Sunday ticket and DirecTV was paying less than, than the NFL wanted to get. Uh, the, the cord cutting is hard on everybody. Why would we want to jump in and, and, and get half of a declining property of a, of a NFL network? Uh, not anything against NFL network. All networks are declining. It's uh, the cord cutting is real. And so uh, is, that there was a is that a JPEG? Is that a JPEG faction or an Iger faction? Uh, JPEG, uh, from <laughs> what I understand- joke. That's a joke, John. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was good. <laughs> that went right over my head. I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation mode, Andrew. Another hat tip out to Alex Sherman. He's the, uh, the reporter at CNBC that wrote that deeply reported story uh, that got out there. And I, I spent a long time with it on a, on a uh, weekend morning, just uh, plowing through that story. So good job, Alex. Jay Beck's been getting a lot of heat down uh, from his employees in Florida. The education bill uh, that's been dubbed Don't Say Gay. Uh, Bill um, and his reaction and, for, and his initial lack of public reaction and support for the gay community has gone very noticed by Disney employees. And so he's trying to, uh, to fix that uh, if he can. Yeah. And Alex's story focused mainly on Hollywood and, and on, on that aspect of the Disney business. But there were some interesting aspects about uh, ESPN, which sort of confirmed what you and I have already reported, Andrew. And th they're not going to be spun off anytime soon. 
They're not going to buy a gambling company anytime soon. They're, they're, there's going to be something that uh, they're, they're going to license their name possibly to, a, to a, company, a gambling company here or there. But these major deals that everybody's been sort of talking about as possibly happening where they, you know, get, get rid of ESPN or, or, uh, or that, 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 according to Sherman's article, is not in the cards. Last topic before our calls of the week. I uh, just want to send our condolences to John Clayton's family and friends. Uh, we all grew up uh, watching Clayton on ESPN. Two things. Number one, he was an insider who wasn't, he broke stories, but it was more of information. Um, not as much just here's the news, here's the transactions, uh, which that job has sort of moved into. He sort of he did some of that, but he didn't do that completely. And then the big thing for me that really stood out for, you know, now Twitter becomes a place where someone passes away. There's a lot of memories that you kind of wouldn't really have access to if it weren't for social media. Uh, and I just thought what really stood out for me for, as someone who I didn't know, John Clay, maybe I met him once or twice, kind. I mean, that was just like overall, it seemed like he went out of his way, especially for young reporters, uh, people in Seattle and that's at the end of the day, breaking stories, whatever. That to me is what's most important. What type of person were you? And and John Clayton seemed like he was really a genuine, uh, nice person uh, who went out of his way to, to be good to others. Yeah, like like you, I've met I met uh, Clayton uh, maybe a handful of times. I, I had no relationship with him. I didn't know him well. Uh, certainly not well enough to sort of post a uh, a heartfelt tribute. There were a lot of bold faced names. Uh, that that had beautiful tributes to, to Clayton. They all described him in the same same terms that you just did. But what stood out to me, Andrew, is is uh, the people that weren't boldface names, like just general uh, reporters, local reporters in their various markets that had run-ins with uh, with Clayton that you know uh, they, they they remembered well enough to to post about. Like he was just a he, he, he was a kind, welcoming, he had a lot of time for a lot of people, and, and that, that showed up on my social feeds uh, uh, the day after he died. Okay, John, let's transition now to our call of the week. Call of the week. All right, what we're going to do here is we are going to listen to five calls from the NCAA, we're gonna, and then we'll rank them all uh, from... Uh, number one to number five. And we're going to start with Jim Nance on Miami's Isaiah Wong's dunk. Wong splits. Here he goes. Oh, my goodness. Right back at Jabari, who did that to Jacksonville State. All right, Jim Nance with the first one. I like it. I, I'm I, I'm a big Nance fan. I think that worked well. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think it was okay. Um, I would say the thing about Nance is that he doesn't necessarily – for as long as he's done basketball, he doesn't have terminology necessarily that he just associates with big calls. And so the initial, uh, oh my goodness, good emotion there. Uh, the after was a little jumbled. Like I, I needed more of a, uh, a headline there uh, to, to get that excitement. So not bad, but not amazing either, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I thought that he had the voice. I thought that he, he got the excitement. And with that number one crew, sometimes I feel like they, especially this tournament, they feel a little bit above uh, the, the the game a little. When, when you were talking about not bringing the excitement, sometimes I feel that from that number one crew. Some of the other, some of the younger 
uh, crews, you know, they, they get, get excited in, in, a, in a heartbeat. And that's part of what college uh, basketball is about. I thought Nance brought it on that one. Let's move to the next one. Iowa State up 56-54 with 20-something seconds left. Tyrus Hunter uh, has the ball. He's about 30 feet out. Keep in mind, it's a two-point game. Here's Spiro Ditas. And punch their ticket into the second round. This is Hunter. It's been his night. Fires. Splash! Wow. Ways Hunter playing the game of his life. All right, Andrew, what did you think? Not bad. The one thing I wanted more from Spiro Ditas there is, and you can't see it when you're listening right now, but that was like a 30-footer. I mean, maybe it's 25 feet. That was one way downtown, and I just needed a little bit more about that because it's a two-point game. It seals the game, right? You Again, you don't – the English, like soccer announcers, they always are like the game's over beforehand. In America, they don't do that at all often. So I understand you want to say, you know, there's still 20 seconds left. Weird things happen. Reggie Miller against the Knicks – Back in the day, you know, scoring nine points in nine seconds or whatever it was. Uh, sure. But I need a little bit more there because of how deep that three was, the moment. Um, and so I just, I want a little bit more there. Yeah. And he jarbled it a little bit. Play of the game of his life. I, like, I, like, he was excited. The excitement came out. But like, if you're a professional broadcaster, you know, clear thoughts, you know, to get, to get that out. We'll rank them at the end. I, I, I'm struggling between that one and the Nance one right now. Let's go to number three. Our third call comes from Illinois Houston, where Illinois' RJ Melendez got teed up uh, on a dunk. Melendez! <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm sorry. First of all, his momentum is, is taking him with him. He has to swing back. You cannot give this young man a technical foul for this. He's not showing up or anything. Because if he doesn't, he is going to almost kill himself. You've got to swing on, on, the, on the rim right here. Andrew, I know that Reggie Miller is a polarizing announcer. Uh, I think he's had a great first weekend. Uh, I laughed out loud when he uh, admitted to flopping and he's talking about the, the, the flop rule. And uh, I forget which game that was. And I think this was another one right away immediately. And I can't think of a basketball fan that was watching that didn't agree with. So when you're doing games, you're the person we're sitting next to at the game, right? So uh, sometimes people can be too talkative. Uh, sometimes they don't say enough, but what you want is that reaction that you have. If you're sitting, if you and I were at the game and that happened, you'd be like, what the heck? And that's what Reggie Miller gave that excitement. And obviously he's one of the greatest 75 players in NBA history and he's hall of famer. And so he, he has uh, credibility. And I thought he nailed that because of the instinctiveness of it. You know, that like that, when we get, when we talk about Tony Romo, for example, that's what, when he shot to uh, start him, that's what he did so well. He just had that instinctive right away, uh, could feel the game real well and, and did a great job with that. And that's kind of like what Miller uh, did right there, um, which I thought was tremendous. Uh, he hit the emotion and he hit it with facts as well and explained why um, the call was wrong and uh, in his eyes. And uh, it was, I thought it was excellent. We go to number four. This one got a lot of publicity. Andrew Catalone. Yeah. 
how is this not going to be our number one ranked? I mean, we'll wait. We'll wait to listen to them all. But go ahead, Andrew. Andrew Catalan for CBS. The ball was on the top of the backboard, and nobody could reach it during the Indiana and St. Mary's game. Or maybe he's got to go on Vern's yeah. shoulders. We got Toss holding Pfeiffer. That's the, Kelly is not tall enough. <laughs> Major issues here in Portland. Why don't we get a new ball? Yeah. Why, why don't the cheerleaders, <laughs> they're used to going up high. Let's get a, the, yes, get the cheerleader up. Get her up there. This is how you do it. <laughs> Give her the mob. No, she's got it. Oh, what a play. The cheerleader saves the day. And that's her one shining moment. This place is on its feet. Look, it went viral. I'm sure anybody listening uh, at this point in the podcast has heard this already. Uh, the, the NCAA tournament is March. It's madness. It's March madness. That, and that is what Catalan provided there. You know, and I, I just like he had fun with it. It's a fun, it's a fun tournament. And it, uh, it's something that went viral. And it, it, I, I just, I, I thought it was a, a cute, fun way to, uh, to, to, to handle what was happening. Yeah, it was good. I mean, that's the thing. Kevin Harlan does that well. Um, you know, when, when these weird things happen. And uh, I thought Catalan had a very good weekend. Uh, and that was uh, the catalyst for it. Uh, he seized that moment. Uh, and uh, it, it went viral. And it was fun. You know, it, it, that's what the thing is. It, this is fun. Right. That's what kind of changed at the end of the day. This is all just fun. Um, sometimes we get very serious about it all. All right. Speaking of people who had good weekends, Ian Eagle, who I know we both like a lot as a, as a play-by-play guy. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. To me, he's the best uh, doing this uh, in college, maybe the NBA as well uh, on basketball. Uh, and you can just hear it here. Like this is Iron Eagle on Michigan's Eli Brooks. And again, you can't see it, but it was kind of a weird old school hook shot uh, that he threw up there. And Iron Eagle's just right on it with the exact term that, you know, uh, he calls it old school as you'll hear and the energy. It just sounds different. I think than basically anybody else doing these games. Seven head and shoulder fake. Brooks tosses it up. Oh, old school. Seventy to sixty-six, Michigan. I mean, look, he has the voice. He has a terminology. He he gets. I I just that that was a great call on a weekend of great calls from Ian Eagle for me. Yeah, the energy is just there, and it's just the excitement. The, the you know, just the the love of being there. You could hear it, um, which you know is one of the ways that separates Eagle. John, let's rank them uh, one to five. Uh, you want to go first or do you want me or you want to do it together? What do you, how you want to do it? Uh, let's do it together. So I'm going to suggest, let, let's throw out Catalan. That's a, he wasn't really calling, calling a, a game oh, he's out? thing. I can't, t- I, I Catalan, gonna, he was going to be my number one. Yeah, he's going to be my number one too. But like, right, I, why can't he do it? We put it in here. All right, all right. Catalan gets stuff- it. Catalan, I compared him the other day in my newsletter that comes out every Monday, uh, New York Post Plus. Uh, I compared him as a poor man's Iron Eagle. I dubbed him Urchin Eagle. And so uh, for Andrew, if that catches on, I'm sorry, but I think it's nice. It's a compliment as a compliment, Urchin Eagle. Um, And so, uh, but he gets the number one, great energy, great moment. 
Uh, so he, he gets number one. I don't, we can't, why do we throw him out? We've- all right, all right, we'll, we'll keep him in there. He gets number one for me, less about the energy. He certainly had the energy, more like what you said, fun. He, he captured the fun, which is the essence of, of the tournament. All right. Number two, two, I think we're both going, I, I, I can tell how we're both going here. Number two, Ian Eagle, right? Uh, I'm actually going to go Reggie Miller. Oh. Reggie, you know, this is not like overall rankings, um, you know, I already said Eagles are the best of all these, you know, play by players, but I would go Reggie Miller. Um, I just thought that was really good. And, you know, we're just doing these individual calls. I know Miller can be polarizing, but I thought that was excellent in the moment. I love that analysis, uh, confident, uh, instincts, uh, and credibility. And so I'll go Reggie Miller two, and then go Ian Eagle, uh, three, uh, which brings us to four and five. Right, so like, yeah, that's yours. I got, I, I'm going to go Iron Eagle too. I just okay. love that. Like the old school hook. I just, I just thought he had the voice. I, he, when I hear that, it makes me feel good. I thought it was great. And Reggie Miller, I thought was what was good as well. I had him at three, no disrespect to, to be three on this list. Okay. I'll go Nance four and Spiro five. Can I have a tie for four or is that, is that a, uh, I, I've, I've, I mean, you're throwing people out. You got ties. I don't, I don't know. know. Sure, whatever you want. This is, they, this, this is, total, this is all bit, nonsense. John, they, you realize this is all nonsense. They were both a little bit flawed. I'm, I'm thinking back at, at Nance's thing. He brought up a, like Jacksonville. Like I hadn't seen the Jacksonville guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go Nance at four and, uh, and uh, I'm going to mimic you on that. So we only disagree on, on, uh, on two, three. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Listen, you can rank us. We shouldn't probably do this now. We just rank them. But apparently, if you follow the podcast, if you give us five stars, if you, uh, what else do they have to do? Reviews. If you do reviews as well, that apparently helps. So if you do that, we appreciate it. If you don't like it, why'd you listen so much? Uh, you're already at the end of this podcast. So hopefully you did like it if you're here. Uh, and so uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, John, uh, good one. I like the, uh, I can't believe it. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> I know we fi- he finally scored. Listen, don't rank us. We're professional writers. Like we, we, like, no, no, we- rank us. No, we need the reviews. <laughs> well, yeah, give us five stars. If you don't have five stars, then forget about it. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks us. for listening, everyone. Yeah.